if you are a parent of a child who's involved in extracurricular activities outside of the normal school day, you know the time commitment that requires you to be there, that requires you to invest in your child's activities. Maybe your child plays a school sport. Maybe they're involved in marching band. Maybe it's scouts or brownies. Is it still called brownies nowadays or is it called something else? Maybe they have a part-time job. Well, I can remember when our son was in elementary school and then middle school and then high school, he was incredibly passionate about basketball. And Steve and I would try to provide any and all opportunity for him to be and grow in that sport. We took him to summer camps. We took him to weekend games. We left him participate in rec leagues most days of the week. I should have owned stock (laughs) in compression shorts and basketballs and ankle braces over that time. I was team mom for more years than I wasn't. And Steve and I made sure that our son's teammates and the coaches and the parents knew that we were there for them. We supported them for whatever was needed. And besides helping them behind the scenes, the team knew when I was in the house. You see, I looked the part. I looked the part of a Lampeter Strasburg boys basketball team mom as I sported the blue and white t-shirts. And then when he was in college, I looked the part as I sported Messiah College Falcons men's basketball t-shirts. And as I cheered, oh, as I cheered for Lampeter Strasburg and Messiah, I sounded like a team mom. I was so loud. Now, this isn't me, but I sounded like a player's mom as Let's Go Blue rang out throughout the gymnasium. Teams would look at me. Other players would look at me, wondering where that crazy sound is coming from. But I was unashamed of my verbal encouragement at every game. You see, I was for the team. I was for the school. I was for the coaches. I was for our son. I was for them all. You might have a similar story of how you've been for a team in your life. We are in week three of our community group's kickoff study called Know What You're For. And being for your team simply means that you are for the people who are closest to you, those people in your circle. You appreciate them. You value them. You encourage them. You show up for them. You're involved in the things that they do. You are for the team. And though many of us are a part of a great team, we know that that's not always 
the case. There's an opposite of being for the team, isn't there? There are certainly times when we don't feel appreciated, encouraged, and valued on our teams. Maybe you're a part of a work team and you feel underappreciated and undervalued. Your work culture feels toxic to you, and day to day, you stand more like a silo than part of the team. Or maybe, maybe your boss is conveying to you that nothing you do is good enough, and it's hard to have the energy to get up and go to work every day. Maybe you're a student and you're on a sports team and your teammates are making really poor choices. And those choices are coming around a circle and it's affecting the health of the team. What do you do when you don't feel like your teammates are for the team? Or maybe it hits closer to home. Maybe you're a mom or a dad, and you're feeling isolated at home. The plates that you hold feel incredibly heavy. And feeling like a family is so far out of reach. If that is you today, if you're part of a team and you don't feel appreciated and you don't feel valued, I'm so sorry that you're in that place. And if you feel comfortable telling me more about that on your connection card, I want to be praying for you this week that God would build that team atmosphere where you're at. You see, in a world that can seem chaotic and fast-paced and even emotionally exhausting, we have an opportunity to be for one another, to be for the team. We have an opportunity to show others that we care, that we're there for them. And, oh, we don't need to look far to name the people that are on our teams. They are our children, our grandchildren. They're our parents, our brothers and sisters. They're our boss and coworkers. Our child's teachers and school leaders are on our teams Because they're people that are around us on a regular basis. And when we are for the people on our teams, we ask them a few specific questions because we want to know how we're doing on their team. We ask, how are you? We ask, how can I support you? How can I help? Another way to say this is, what does it look like to be on the other side of me? What does it feel like to work with me, to live with me? What does it feel like to hang out with me? And if we're bold enough, if we're bold enough to ask ourselves those questions, we might get mixed responses, but we'd certainly arrive at a starting place for the questions of this whole series that we're in. What do you want to be known for 
And what are you known for? Allow these questions to just sit with you for a moment. What do you want to be known for? And what are you known for? There are opportunities all around us to be for others. We just need a place to start. And lucky for us, Jesus developed a for-the-team atmosphere long before you and I arrived on the scene. In John chapter 15, Jesus sets the framework for our relationships with others because he is for us. He says in John chapter 6, verses 15, 9 to 14, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Here's the framework. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now you are my friends if you do what I command. In these verses, we find a very simple equation on loving relationships. Think of the biblical love equation in this way. Jesus is saying, God loved him, so he loves us, so we love others. That's simple, right? No problems here, right? But for something that certainly sounds so simple, we know that loving the people closest to us can sometimes be really, really hard. So we're going to unpack this just a little bit today to see what it means for us and then how to do it. Jesus says he loves us like God loves him. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time just wrapping my mind around a love that deep And that wide. The Son of God loves us. And Jesus doesn't tell us that he loves us. He shows us that he loves us through how he lived his life. He was for his team. He is for us today. And he will be for those who come long after us. Jesus lived his love in a broken world. In a broken world, he loved those who the world labeled as unlovable. He touched them. He ate with them. He cared deeply that their mind and their body and their spirits would be made whole. Jesus lived his love when he loved his enemies over and over again. The religious leaders of the day pushed back. They pushed back against who Jesus said he was. But he met their questions. He met their accusations with truth and with grace and with love. 
And Jesus, he did not step away from the hard conversations. He was not all about fluffy love. He engaged with the dirt and he engaged with the pain that people brought to him. He lived his love. He was compassionate. He was merciful. He was kind. And he laid down his life for others, not just physically. Jesus did what was best for others when he died to self in his ministry over and over and over again. And in the New Testament Gospels, we read that Jesus loved us to the very end as he was crucified and died for us because he loves us. Do you hear? Do you hear the love of our Savior? Do you feel it? Love like this is so hard to imagine, but it's real. Jesus is love, and we are commanded to pay that love forward and love others like he loves us. When we build our relationships on love, we show our teams that we are for them. And then Jesus, he goes on to tell us the why behind the what. He tells us why we should love our teams. Verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There's nothing else in the whole world that will bring us the same joy that we experience when we love others like Jesus loves us. He says that when we love in this way, our joy will be complete, complete joy. That sounds pretty great. So I want to try something today. It's a little joy exercise among us as a church family. I want you to think about All the things that bring you joy. Think about your day. Think about the things that bring you joy. And I'm going to ask you in a minute just to shout out some of those things. If you're with us at Maytown, you can shout out these yourself. If you're joining us online, just write them in the chat area. What brings you joy? I'll get us started by telling you a few things that are on my joy list. Wet noses. Wait, my dog's wet nose. That might be confusing if I just said wet noses. My dog's wet nose against my cheek. Grape blow pops. Grape blow pops bring me joy. Chocolate cake with caramel icing. Love it. Brings me joy. The moon, the moon seeping through the windows in my bedroom. At night brings me joy. Sand between my toes brings me joy. Comfortable shoes bring me joy. What about you? What are some things that bring you joy? Anybody? Nature. Nature. I love it. Shoes. Shoes. Grandchildren. Oh, I love that. Little kids chatter. Little kids chatter. 
Coffee. I've never had a cup in my life, but I'll believe you. Anybody else? What brings you joy? Music. Music. Great. Good, good, good. These are all things that bring us joy, sweet and precious gifts from God. But these things that you've mentioned, that I've mentioned, they will only bring us joy in the moment. They're gifts to us, but they are joys for the moment. We will never find complete joy in them. Jesus is telling us in these verses that being inside the Father's love trumps all these things we've mentioned. Being inside the Father's love, knowing how much he loves us, and then sharing that love with others will bring complete joy. Not fleeting joy. Complete joy. When we love others the way Jesus loves us, our joy will be complete And others will know that we are for them. Jesus goes on and he gets a little deeper in describing how he's for us in these next verses. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you my friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now, Jesus is speaking into the culture of his day here, which was a servant-master culture. He's saying that in contrast to a servant-master relationship, where the servant works because he or she has no choice, we have a friendship with Jesus. He calls us his friends because friendship is close, and friendship is deep, and friendship is sweet. Don't miss this. Because Jesus is Jesus, the son of the most high God, he has all the authority to call us his servants. But instead, he calls us his friends. How beautiful is that? We are Christ's friends. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that bring you peace And warmth today. We are Christ's friends. And because of that relationship, Jesus points the conversation right back to what he's asking us to do for our teams, for the people in our life that are super close to us. Love each other. When we love each other like friends, we are taking the message of Jesus to the streets and showing teams that we are for them. Some people are really, really good at this. My husband is really good at showing his work team, his employees, that he's for them. 
He does this when he keeps the fridge at the shop stocked with sodas and water. He does this when he buys subs from a local fundraiser or treats them with Rita's Italian ice on a hot August afternoon when they come back from the shop before they leave for home. He shows his team that he is for them when he gives their families beef every year from a steer that he buys at the Lampeter Fair Youth Auction. He's showing his, his employees' families that he's for them in this way. And when he and I attended the benefit auction of an Amish employee that was going to be off work for several months because he was diagnosed with a brain tumor, when we sat and we bidded on some items for this Amish gentleman's family, we hope that we showed his family that we were for them. The men who work for Steve are his team, and as best as he can, he tries to show them that they are his friends when he loves them in these ways. And doing this brings him great joy. So although we are people with much diversity and differences, Jesus commands us as his friends to love one another. Love is that super secret sweet ingredient for our relationships. And in that space of loving the people on our teams, we find complete joy because God designed it that way. So let's get practical for just a couple minutes. I want to give you some nuts and bolts to put in place for being for your teams. We build a for culture all around us when we believe abundantly, appreciate consistently, develop intentionally, listen actively, and live it repeatedly. Believing abundantly means telling the people in your life that you believe in them, that you're for them, that you support them, you believe in them, they can do it, you say. As parents, we hold a special seat on the encouragement bus of our children, don't we? I'm so happy when my kids, when my son and daughter, they're young adults now, and I didn't know if they would ever call me and ask for input, ask me for advice. But when they do, I am so quick to say, Taylor, Aaron, you can do it. I believe in you. Believe abundantly in your team. And we build a thriving for culture when we appreciate consistently. Andy Stanley said, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. When we're for each other, we take gratitude and appreciation seriously. Something that I try to do is just say thank you more often than perhaps I did years ago. 
Another way I might show appreciation to my teams is to treat the staff to Mr. Sticky's sticky buns every now and then. Or maybe I will take homemade chicken corn soup to my neighbor as we're running our dogs in the park on some weekdays. Show other people that you are for them by appreciating them consistently. And we also build a thriving for culture when we develop intentionality for the leaders among us whose responsibility it is to oversee meetings at work or if you have regular meetings as parents with your family. Make sure you're taking time in those meetings to have a development piece, to have a piece where you're investing in your family, in your employees with something that will grow them and take them to that next level. Develop intentionally and listen actively. (laughs) I get a kick out of some of the young couples that I provide premarital counseling for because one of the very first topics we study and talk about is healthy communication. So I take a seat back and I introduce assertiveness and active listening to these young couples. And then I'll just watch. And it's so interesting as they try to sit and look at one another, pretending I'm not there. And they use words like, I hear you say, if I understand you correctly, it is so sweet to see these young couples repeat back to one another what the other person has just said. When we listen actively, we always ask, tell me more. Tell me more. Listening actively is a necessary skill to show others that we are for them. And lastly, we build a thriving for culture when we live it repeatedly. It is said that leaders are repeaters. Living out the vision of your organization or living out your family values or living out the vision of Crossroads Church connecting and growing together in Jesus means putting these values out in front often for everyone to see and then repeating them over and over again. Part of the onboard process for staff is watching several Andy Stanley videos called How to Build a Great Team. Pastor Doug has us watch these videos, and then we discuss them. And one thing that we learn together, and that I hear consistently from my fellow staff, is four simple words. How can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Last week, I pulled a muscle in my neck. I don't know how I did it. I think I slept wrong. But I came to church on Wednesday, and I sat behind my desk in my office. And in the space of just a few hours, several staff came into my office and said, Hey, Dawn, how you doing? How can I help? And I told them about my neck. And it wasn't long before someone came and prayed with me and anointed me with oil. A couple minutes later, another staff person came into my office with a rice sock, if you know what I mean. They had put it in the microwave and then slipped it around my neck. It was beautiful. 
beautiful expressions of how they were for me. And I knew it was coming because I knew they lived it every day. How can I help? How can I help? Repeat it often. And the staff is strong because they practice having a four culture here at church. Building a four culture with the people on our teams means that we will believe abundantly, appreciate consistently, develop intentionally, listen actively, and live it repeatedly. So as we think about being for our teams today, I want to invite you to consider a few ways this week that you can be for your teams and build your relationships on love. Maybe you'll choose to try one of these five. That's great. Jot that on your connection card, and I'll be praying for you as you work on that. Or maybe you'll try to build your relationships on love by just writing three quick notes or sending three quick texts to the people on your teams, just to encourage them, just to support them, just to tell, you that, tell them that you value them. Maybe you'll treat your boss to their favorite candy or coffee this week just because. No strings attached, just because. Or maybe you'll give your son or daughter a pass that they can have their bedroom as sloppy and disgusting and stinky as they want to because you value them, you're encouraging them, and they're having a tough week. What do you want to be known for? What are you known for? And how will you work to close that gap as you deepen your relationships by loving this week? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for calling us your friend. And God, I pray that we will practice being loving toward others the way you love us. May we experience complete joy in our teams as we value, appreciate, and encourage those closest to us. In your most precious name I pray, amen.